about a decade ago, I was traveling on a plane back to uh, New Zealand and I watched a film uh, which was the sanitized version. Uh, how many people like sanitized versions of films? Yeah, I don't know why they put a whole pile of rubbish in films and take them out for the plane. I like the, the versions on the plane. They're, they're far, far more uplifting. But anyway, this was a sanitized version of a film called 50 First Dates. And it's Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. And uh, basically the, the plot is that uh, Adam, Adam Sandler's character meets this girl in a cafe and um, really clicks with her. And they arrange to meet the next day and have coffee together. He turns up at the cafe the next day. She's there. She doesn't know him from a bar of soap. And as it turns out, as the film goes on, she's been in a car accident and she can't remember anything from that car accident onwards. All she can do is remember before. So every day she wakes up and she thinks it's the morning of the car accident. So, of course, Adam Sandler's got this um, problem of how to build a relationship with a person who only remembers for 24 hours, basically. And there was lots of weird and wonderful things that happen, and she breaks up with him at one stage because she doesn't want to hold him back. Uh, but anyway, eventually love wins out, and they all get, they get married and they live happily ever after. Okay, I'm always a sucker for a romantic um, film. But a thought that I had about this particular situation was that we can be like that with the things of God. We can just forget we get busy in life, we forget who God is, we forget wh who we are in God, we forget what he's done for us. So this morning, this morning, I just really want to uh, remind us that we've been created by God to know him and that God wants to flow not only to us, but he wants to flow through us. So the title of my message this morning is can I use your boat? I was talking to one of the fishing guys this morning, and uh, he said, man, I'm interested in this message. <laughs> Obviously wants to use my boat. <coughs> anyway, uh, let's uh, go to Luke chapter 5, and I'm going to read the passage uh, from the NIV version, if you've got your Bible with us. And this is what it says. It says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and by the way, that's the Sea of Galilee, uh, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. And haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they, became, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. 
And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. I don't think there's a fisherman here in church who hasn't had a bad day's fishing at some stage or other. Some of us have more than others, but every one of us have experienced that day where we've gone out and we've caught nothing. But people, we don't simply have bad days fishing. Every one of us from time to time simply have bad days. We go through tough times, we go through tough seasons in life, but interestingly, it's, it's often after a bad day when we are at our lowest, when we're having an argument with our husband about travel arrangements, <laughs> that God breaks through into our lives and blesses. Often, the, the edge of our next blessing will be the place of failure or that place of disappointment or that place where we've done everything we think we should have done and we just don't get the results that should have come from what we've done. When I come to the end of myself, I find that's the place that God steps in and blesses. It's after we have fished all night and caught nothing that God provides a miracle blessing that we couldn't have achieved in our own strength. So the first thing that I see that we often forget is that God's for us, and he wants to bless us. And you see this all through the scripture. Uh, God's character, his very nature is a father, a loving father, who wants to bless his kids. The problem is um, we get into situations and the busyness of life, and often in our hustle and bustle, we forget that God wants to bless us. Now, if you're a fisherman, success for you is catching fish. No point wanting to go fishing uh, and not want to catch fish. Uh, Jesus gave these guys a huge, huge, miraculous catch. But when you read the story, he gave it to them not just to bless them, but he gave it to them because Jesus wanted to reveal himself to them. If you're a businessman, God wants your business to do well. He wants you to make lots of money. And every businessman said, Amen. Amen. Okay. Why? Not just to lavish on yourselves, but God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing, so that you can help grow the kingdom of God. If you're a teacher, God wants to bless you, make you successful, and help you raise the next generation of children to know Jesus and make him known. If you're a nurse, he wants to bless you so that patients will want to be looked after by you and people will want to work with you. If you're a doctor, God wants to give you healing hands. Success is discovering what God has called you to do and doing it really, really well. But when we are going through difficult times, we tend to forget that God wants to bless us. But it's at that very time that we should expect a miracle. Just as Jesus chose 
the lowest freshwater lake in the world, the Lake of Galilee, to do many of his miracles. So he often chooses our low moments, our weak places to do his greatest work. So if you're in a low place today, the conditions are right for a miracle. Turn to the person next to you and say, God wants to bless you. Now turn to them and say, but there's a catch. God wants to bless you, but there's a catch. Now, most of you know that every Monday morning I go and play golf uh, at Sherwood, and uh, it's one of the ways that I can get to, get to meet other guys, and it's a good form of exercise. When I have a bad game of golf, I end up working, walking about 12 kilometres, which is pretty good for my health. One day, a couple of years back, I was um, playing with a bunch of guys. None of them are Christians that I know of, and uh, we're on the ninth hole at Sherwood, and one of the guys sliced his ball off into the trees by the uh, greenkeeper's um, shed. So anyway, we get over to this, um, this, this ball, and we find that the ball is nestled up against a root uh, of this big tree. And the guy looks at me, and he says, okay, reverend, what should I do? <laughs> ah, an opportunity, I thought. So I bowed my head. I put my hands in a praying position. <laughs> I pretended to pray. And then I said to the guy, I said, God says, take a penalty drop, which means that you pick the ball up, you shift it one club a length away, so it's in the clear, but it costs you one shot. Well, the guy looked at me and says, oh, says, I'm not going to do that. So he gets his club out, swings, clips the ball, it hits the root, goes straight up the tree trunk and lands in a tree fern and stays up there. We were killing ourselves. We were rolling around on the fairway, just laughing, laughing, laughing. And then one of the guys that I was playing with, and God can speak through anybody, one of the guys that I was playing with shouts out, he says, when God tells you to do something, you should do it. The catch is, when God tells you to do something, do it. Do it. By the way, with the guy with his ball stuck up in the tree, uh, it cost him a two-shot penalty for a lost ball. And um, so he would have been better to have done exactly what I had suggested that he did. But when God tells you to do something, do it. That's the condition of blessing. We have to listen and obey. These fishermen had been out there all night. They had caught nothing. They had pulled their boats up. They were tired. They were cleaning the nets. Jesus sees them, and he gets into Simon Peter's boat. And he says to Simon, push out a little way from the shore. Now, you imagine if you go to the car park today, and someone is sitting in your car, I mean, <laughs> this is the same sort of thing. Jesus just hopped into somebody else's boat. And he asked this guy, 
He asked Simon to push out. Simon could have said no. He could have said, oh, I'm too busy, I'm too tired, we want to clean up and go home. But Simon said yes to that little request. And that yes to Jesus' request to use his boat changed his life for eternity. You see, our destiny is mainly discovered in the little things of life. And the little things will often lead you to other things. About 12, 13 years ago, Penny and I were in uh, Uganda uh, visiting the Tumasimis and we went to the source of the River Nile, which uh, is where it flows out of Lake Victoria at Ginger. Now, the, La the River Nile, as you can see there, is a really, really big river. But when baby Moses was put into a basket and he's floating down the River Nile, it was the little currents that caused that basket to get caught up in the reeds where Pharaoh's daughter could find it. And it's often the little currents of the river of life that will lead us to our destiny. Not so often the big deal that we make about big stuff. It's saying yes to the little things. And sometimes those little things don't, don't make a lot of sense. Uh, I, I remember when Jude Ludlow and Alan told me that they were going to start a cafe down the road. They were going to start this place which they called Essence at a time when all of the economic indicators, it was the start of the um, financial crash, where in the financial crash people don't have discretionary spending to spend on coffee and other bits and pieces, but they were going to start this cafe at a time when economically it didn't make sense. But they really believed that God was calling them to do this so that that cafe would be a, a witness to people around. And as we know from history, that cafe was a fantastic success. And not only that, not only has it been a success for them, but then for their kids, their kids have been able to build on their shoulders. Um, Carl had a dream of, Carl Worthington had a dream of opening up his own calf. And so um, with, the, with the Ludlows, they started up Milk and Honey uh, up in Carmo. And... Um, they had planned to have, Helen, how many staff? Six? Six staff? How many staff have you got now? Thirteen. They planned to have six staff. They've had to take on uh, another seven because the business has just boomed more than their expectation. You know, God is able to do far exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or even imagine when we've got that ear to hear what God is saying despite what's happening in the world round about us. From Peter's point of view here, all he can see is, can I use your boat? 
He didn't know that Jesus was then going to say, put out into the deep water, let down your nets for a catch. I mean, if all the other fishermen who were there knew what was going to happen, they would have all been lined up in Jesus' face saying, pick my boat, pick my boat, pick my boat. But the reality is, Peter had no idea that when he said yes to Jesus and that little thing that Jesus asked him, even though his logic said no, even though he was tired, he just had no idea that saying yes would result in him seeing blind eyes open, deaf ears healed, people raised from the dead. He never thought that saying yes to Jesus using his boat would result on him walking on water. He had no idea that saying yes to Jesus would result in him standing with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, seeing Moses and Elijah seeing the crowds fed with just a few loaves and fishes. Peter had no idea what was to come. All he knew was that Jesus had asked him for his boat and then asked him to go out into the deep and try again. When we obey God in the little things, it's really amazing where they lead us. Luke 16.10 says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. I think as an employer, one of the things you always look for in staff is not so much their fantastic talents as much as their faithfulness in the little things. Because you know that if they can be faithful in the little things, they can be trusted in much. Faith is saying yes to Jesus, even when you don't know where it'll lead you. It's pushing out on the deep just because Jesus asks us to. Uh, many people equate obedience to Jesus as obligation. And sometimes we think of it or could think of it as a bit of a burden. But I want to tell you, in my experience, obedience to Jesus isn't obligation, it's opportunity. It opens the door to blessings. It opens the door to your future. We need to be people who will do what God asks us to do. And when the going gets tough, as it does in life from time to time, keep cleaning the nets. When you've fished all night and caught nothing... Don't quit. Sometimes in life, you do the right thing and nothing happens. And as I look around this morning, I can see lots of people who have been faithful and are just doing the right things. Over the last uh, few weeks, I've had the opportunity to count the, um, the Sunday offerings. And I haven't done that for 23 years. I've always tried to stay one step removed from all the money and everything else. But... Um, over the last couple of weeks, I've, um, I've had to step in there and just help, help with that. You know, one of the things that has blessed me more than anything else has been the faithfulness of widows and old people who week after week give from their lack into the plans and the purposes of God. I, I mean, I celebrate when I see uh, big offerings come in. 
but it really does something in my heart when I see the faithfulness of people who have been faithful for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, continuing every week, every month, every year to sow into the presence and the plans and the purposes of God. These fishermen were on the beach fixing their nets. I'm sure they wanted to go home to bed, but because they were fixing their nets, when Jesus was there, their lives were completely turned around. What if they'd come in from a bad day's fishing and just said, oh, look, too tired for this. Just chuck chuck the nets in the boat. We'll do them another day. Look what they would have missed out on. If you're having a hard time, often you will decide, ah, I can't be blowed going to church this morning. In fact, it's interesting that the very ones who need to be in church because they're going through a hard time are the very ones who, who, don't, who don't bother. What if you didn't bother serving and giving? Or what if you got too tired to come to prayer meetings? What if you didn't bother reading your Bible and doing all those little things? You know, you miss out on what God has planned and purposes. I find that God comes to those who are consistently doing the right thing week in, week out, regardless of whether they're seeing a lot of fruit or not. They're doing it because it's the right thing to do. You know, I worship God and I I feel his presence. Brilliant. But when I don't feel his presence, I still worship God. I still worship him. I still seek his face. I still serve him. I give because I believe in giving. And I believe in giving because I believe in God. I serve because it's the right thing to do. And God has asked us to serve one another. I attend church because I'm paid to. (laughs) But when I wasn't, (laughs) bit of honesty here. (laughs) When, When I wasn't, when I wasn't on staff, I came every week because I knew that that was what God had asked me to do. And because I was faithful in the little things, God saw that I could be trusted because I was faithful. I could be faithful in much. I didn't become a pastor because I had all the pastoral giftings or because I was going to be a great orator or anything else. I think God chose me because I was faithful in the little things. And that enabled me to be a candidate to be faithful in much. You know, when things get tough, keep doing the little things in life which underscore your faithfulness. Stu, we're going to skip the next couple of slides. If you're taking notes... I've just got here, we forget that destiny is about our future, not about our past. But we also forget that God requires our partnership. Jesus is Lord. He could have stood at the side of the lake 
and, and said, oh, look, those poor guys, they were fishing all night. I'm just going to get them a feed. Okay, fish, come on. Your turn. Jump up on the shore. And there. He could do that, couldn't he? I mean, actually, he did that. After his resurrection, if you read the story, he was there on the beach with fish that he hadn't fished for. So he could do that sort of stuff, but he didn't. In this situation, he chose to bless what these guys were doing. He chose to ask them to go out into the deep, to lower their nets, and as they did what they could do, Jesus did what he could do, and it resulted in an incredible blessing. So if you're doing nothing for God, God will bless that and multiply that. What's a hundred times nothing? Nothing. Nothing. So if you give your nothing to God, he'll breathe on it, but it's going to result in nothing. So you've got to give him something to work with. You know, our biggest enemy is ourselves in that we don't actually believe that God can or God wants to use us. Why would he use our boat? It's too old. It's too dirty. It's not very big. Most of us say, I'm just normal. I don't have what it takes. I'm just me. I can't witness. I'm not that smart. I'm not that good looking. I'm not this. I'm not that. I've got this past. And we make excuses why God couldn't use us, but the reality is, he says, out of our belly will flow rivers of living water. Speaking of the Spirit, I got really blessed on, um, it must have been on, it was either Wednesday or Thursday, I was sitting in my office and this... Um, this Maori lady came in, she left her umbrella, and I hadn't seen her before, and uh, she was a really bubbly sort, so I said, oh, grab a, grab a cuppa and come in and tell us your story. And this lady who left her umbrella, I was amazed. She had a degree in navigation and engineering, she'd been in the Navy, she'd, um, she'd guided inshore vessels, she'd served on the mercy ships. On the, on the bridge, she just had a heart for God. And I thought, man, she's been, just been using the gifts that God had placed in her life. And I just got blessed by hearing her story. Every one of us have got gifts that we can give God. He's made you in a specific way so that you can shine for him. You aren't a product of chance. God has made you specifically different to the person next to you so that you can show the differences of his love to people around about. When Peter fell at Jesus' feet, he said, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this blessing. And he was right. None of us deserve the blessing that God gives us. That's called grace. Just because he loves us. 
he gives to us just because he loves us as a father loves his children. So he wants to bless us. He says, I want to use you. And all you have to do is be available. Some of you would have read that passage in the New Testament where Jesus says that many are called, but few are chosen. Have you ever read that? The difference between being called and chosen. Everybody's called. But the only ones that are chosen are those that say yes. The ones that make themselves available to God. They are the ones that are chosen. And God, I just, I just sense in the spirit, he's lining up before us this morning and he's saying, can I use your boat? He's saying, I, I, want, to, I want to move in you and I want to move through you. But it's going to require you saying yes to me. When Peter said yes to Jesus, Jesus had already chosen him. He was just waiting for Peter to become available. Jesus gave Peter the catch of a lifetime. I mean, two boats filled with fish, almost sinking. He and his partners could have retired on the proceeds. Such was the amount of fish that they caught. But you know what? Peter, James, John, all walked away from that miraculous catch. They left their boats and the catch on the beach because they saw that Jesus and his plan for their lives was far more important than boatloads of fish. You know, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter preaches and sees 3,000 saved, when revival starts in Jerusalem, which, which leads on to revival in Judea and revival in Samaria, I don't think Peter was thinking, gosh, I wish I'd kept all those fish. No, no. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life when we follow Jesus. Long after the fish have gone, what's done for Jesus Christ will last. His destiny changed when Peter said yes to Jesus. Question, can I use your boat. Let's have the musicians. What's Jesus saying to you this morning? I guarantee he's challenging you. I guarantee he's asking for a fresh surrender. Some of you are in a situation where you're like those guys who fished all night and caught nothing. And you're just feeling depleted, you're just feeling down, you're just feeling as if nothing's really working out, well, the best place that you can be in that situation is in the presence of God. And I really want to pray for people this morning 
that really need a breakthrough. Whether it's a breakthrough in your business, whether it's a breakthrough in your finances, whether it's a breakthrough in your family situation. If you need breakthrough, then when we stand together and I ask for the ministry team to come, I want you to come. And I'd love the opportunity of just being able to pray for you. But there are others here this morning and it's like a, a point where Jesus is drawing a line in the sand and he's just saying, hey, can I use your boat? Can I use you afresh? Can I, can I touch you afresh? But there's a catch. You've got to surrender to me first. You've got to say yes. You've got to say, Jesus, you're all more important than a boatload of fish. So I'm just coming to you this morning and I'm surrendering to you, God. And I don't know what that's going to entail. But I'm just saying yes to this thing, knowing that as I place myself in your hands, you can guide me and lead me. I think one of the verses which has been a life verse for me is the one that says the heart of a king is like rivers of water in the hands of the Lord. He can turn it this way and he can turn it that. And I think every one of us, when we place our hearts in God's hands, it's the safest place because he can just turn us. He can guide us. He can lead us. He can bring us into whatever he wants. But it starts at that place of surrender. So why don't you just stand with me this morning and ask the ministry team to come. value our prayers this morning if you just want to surrender why don't you come you know our boat, that boat speaks of our life, it speaks of our time, it speaks of our talents it speaks of our resources there'll be people here this morning and Jesus isn't blessing you because you've never ever surrendered your life to him well he's only a prayer away He's just waiting for you to say yes to his invitation. So this morning, why don't you say yes to Jesus? Why don't you say, Jesus, I, I want to know you. I want to know that my sins are forgiven. I want to know that I'm going to spend eternity with you. If that's you this morning, why don't you come? What do we say?